Good morning and welcome. My name is Craig Thompson. I'm the senior pastor and it is our privilege to have you with us. This is a humongous crowd for Memorial Day. So uh, those of you that are here, wow, thank you so much. was uh, definitely not expecting quite so many folks. So I uh, appreciate that. And for everybody who wasn't here, shame on them, right? Shame on them. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Yeah, whatever. We're just glad that you're here. Uh, a few announcements before we begin. We're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 6, in just a few moments. Um, I did want to mention our Vacation Bible School starts one week and one day from today. Uh, there is a card in your worship folder this morning. Look at this. We got fancy and on the back side because Kevin thinks that these things are a really good idea. This is my idea? Oh, oh, it's my idea. Let's blame you anyway. Um, you can even scan on the back to register your kit. Is this really my idea? Really? Wow. Huh. All right. In, ca- in that case, this is a great idea on the back side. You should scan this little QR code um, to register your kid. Uh, share this information with anybody. The quicker we get you registered and get your kids registered, the easier life is for everybody. So if you would do that today, that would be awesome. Do it tomorrow. Uh, but uh, we are expecting a big crowd of kids this year. So um, this will kind of be the first, uh, first year really post-COVID. So we, we had VBS last year, but it was still kind of awkward and weird. So um, we're excited about all that is, is in store for Vacation Bible School. That means next Sunday, if you are volunteering with VBS, we will, we will have everything opened up to try and get things set up. So it's going to be a big, busy, busy week starting next week. So try and get you some rest this week and get prepared for Vacation Bible School. Um, uh, beyond that, uh, you can look into your worship uh, folder and, and see the announcements as they come out for other announcements that, uh, that may be of, of, of impact for you. All right, Acts chapter 6, we're going to begin reading in verse 8. I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's Word. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him. And they brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said... Sorry. They set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw his face was like the face of an angel. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we give you praise, glory, and honor, for you are enough. God, as we consider the unsettledness that, some, that Christianity can sometimes bring to our lives. I pray that we would find our satisfaction and comfort in the eternal security we have in Jesus. That we would embrace, Lord God, this broken world, knowing, Father, that there is another to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Thank you. Today we take a moment to remember our senior adults. Um, I'm preaching because Buster looked at me several weeks ago and said, I couldn't find anybody else, so I guess we'll do you. Pretty much how it went. It's great. 
Uh, we normally have a luncheon afterward and uh, really celebrate our seniors, but the decision by others in our church to honor me last week sort of got in the way of all of that. Instead of having a lunch for our seniors and a lunch for our, our teenagers uh, a couple times this month, uh, the decision was made to uh, have one big lunch. Uh, and so we did that last Sunday. It all got wrapped up in a big one, one big meal. So just know, uh, seniors, it's my fault. I'm sorry. I didn't plan it. But uh, if you're wondering why you're not getting fed today, it's all on me. But I did want to take just a moment and thank you all for the way that y'all showed so much um, support and kindness toward me and my family last week. We are truly blessed to be a part of Malvern Hill. Uh, so many cards and uh, kind words. I just am really grateful uh, for you guys taking time uh, to celebrate my 15th anniversary here, and I just um, just want to take a moment um, before we jump in full full bore this morning to let you all know that I am very appreciative of the way that y'all showed that kindness towards us. Uh, secondly, this morning, Angel and I are leaving as soon as this service is over for a trip. As a result, Buster will greet you at the back door. I will be running away because um, I have somewhere to be. So I love y'all, but uh, if you need something, uh, any one of our staff members, our pastoral staff, be happy to care for you, our deacons. Um, so this morning we gather being reminded that there are no guarantees of safety anywhere. Even schools can be dangerous, as we were reminded this week. We gather also on Memorial Day weekend being reminded that the world is a dangerous place. And as a result, men and women are often called to give everything to resist evil. We gather this morning and I want to remind you that even your faith isn't safe. Christianity is inherently dangerous. As a citizen of our great country... You will probably never find your life threatened because of your Christian faith. But a relationship with Jesus, though it grants you eternal security, will still bring about troubles in this life. And a relationship with Jesus will often cost you something. Because you love Jesus, you will encounter opposition. This morning, I want us to wrestle with the question, who is opposing you and what is it that you should do when you encounter opposition as a follower of Jesus Christ? This morning we see the picture of Stephen. We've been working our way through Acts now for several months. And we see the picture of Stephen, this man who just last week we saw was a part of a group who was called up to serve within the local church. And today this man is arrested and put on trial for his very life. For one reason and one reason only, because... He actually believed what Jesus had said and lived his life in accordance with Christ's expectations. Stephen made a difference in the world for Jesus, and as a result, Stephen faced opposition. This morning, what should you do as a follower of Jesus if and when you face opposition? Number one. Number two, if you're not facing opposition, let me encourage you to do the things that I'm telling you this morning. Because if we're not facing some degree of opposition as followers of Jesus, chances are that we're not actively living for Christ. So this morning, the first thing I want us to see is that we should lean into the Lord. We should lean into the Lord. We, we pick up this story and act with Stephen basically speaking to a group of people. and he's, um, The Bible says that, that there he was, full of grace and power, doing great wonders and signs among the people. This is what he's doing. Why did Stephen have this opportunity? How was Stephen given this, this sort of right or this privilege or this place where he was allowed and encouraged to stand up and speak? Why was Stephen leading? Stephen was appointed as a servant leader in the church because of his commitment to Jesus. 
Folks, we've got to regularly lean into the Lord. We go back up to Acts chapter 6, um, verse uh, 3. The apostle said, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. What was it? There's little suggestion here that these men were corporate CEOs or had some kind of particular worldly acumen. There's, there's no suggestion that they'd been to a leadership seminar, that they had, had perfected the seven habits of highly effective people. Though those aren't bad things. But what was it that was being looked for within the local church for leadership? These were men who were full of the Spirit and of wisdom, and they were men of good repute. Folks, if you want to serve Jesus well, let me encourage you to lean into the Lord. Lean into Christ. For some reason, we sometimes have this idea that I'm going to sit on the sidelines and then somebody's going to call me up to service and then I'll jump in with both feet. Folks, we are only qualified to serve the Lord in public when we find ourselves regularly immersing ourselves with Him in private. Stephen was a man who leaned into the Lord. It was because of that relationship with Jesus that Stephen found himself in a position where, just to be totally honest, he was being used powerfully by the Lord. Folks, some of you have never faced opposition to Christ because the truth of the matter is you don't have a vibrant relationship with Jesus. Unfortunately, some of you find your title as Christian as something like a title only. It hasn't actually impacted and affected your life. You're not regularly living for Jesus in such a way that the world around you knows that you belong to Jesus Christ. You guys have heard me talk about this before, but I'll say it again. One of my my goals in life is to make sure I'm never involved in a conversation with anybody more than about five minutes without them knowing that I'm married. It's kind of a big deal. I I, I think it's important that they know. Um, And uh, one of the things, I I wear a wedding band. Uh, Y'all have heard me tell that story before about when I first got married. I had a really difficult time getting used to this. And I said to Angela, I said, honey, I don't know if I'll ever be able to get used to wearing that wedding band. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. And she didn't say anything. She said, you better, and walked off. That was it. It was the end of the conversation. You see, I still have it on. Um, folks, our relationship with Jesus should be so integral to our lives that it sort of jumps out all the time. That we just find it as a part of our regular, everyday conversation. Some of you have a really difficult, difficult time sharing your faith. That can be scary. I understand that. But y'all, we should be so infused with Jesus that even when we're not actively sharing our face in an event face, share your face too, but sharing our faith in an evangelistic opportunity, that our faith just sort of bleeds out. It just leaks out of us. That people just know that we belong to Jesus because it's such a regular part. Beyond that, our lives should be characterized in the same way that Stevens was, is being full of spirit and of wisdom and being people of good repute. What is repute? That means people of good reputation. Folks, what is it that allows us to have wisdom? The Bible says that Jesus grew in, uh, in stature and wisdom with, with man and God. What is it that gives us this wisdom? In immersing ourselves in the Word of God. To be no longer conformed to the ways of the world, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. How does that happen? According to Romans 12, 2, we're going to do that as we immerse ourselves in the Word. And the Word begins to shape the way that we think, the way that we live, and the way that we make decisions. The Word actually begins to dominate who we are. It recreates us. 
Stephen leaned into the Lord. Y'all, how are you leaning into the Lord? Are you leaning into the Lord regularly? Are you immersing yourself in the Word of God, in prayer, in the things of the Lord, among the people of God? Do you find that you are regularly allowing your Christian faith to shape your decisions, to shape your relationships, to shape the way you spend your time, to shape the way you spend your money, to shape the way that you invest your talents in others and in the world around you? Stephen was leaning into the Lord. The apostles were preaching and Stephen said, I will serve tables gladly. Whatever it takes for me to jump into God's church and to make an impact. This was Stephen leaning in with all that he had. Some of you haven't faced opposition to your Christian faith because you just haven't leaned in yet. You're sort of living Jesus on the outskirts, on the edges. Right? Most people are really comfortable with a Christian who lives on the edges. People are usually okay with this sort of uh, lackadaisical or, or even liberal Christianity that doesn't actually change the way I live my life, doesn't cause me to encounter others and to speak God's truth to others. People are okay if I'm a Christian in name only. It gets a little awkward when I begin, begin to be a Christian in life as well. Lean into the Lord. Number two this morning, speak the truth. Speak the truth. Stephen spoke the truth. What kind of horrible things was Stephen say? Watch. It says, he never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. That's what he said right there in Acts chapter, um, chapter 6, verse 15. No, excuse me, verse, uh, verse 13. I, I told you wrong. He never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. What was he saying? Stephen was speaking about Jesus. and He was telling them the truth about the temple and about the second coming. This is what's happening right here. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament law. Remember, all these people are gathered around the temple in Jerusalem. Stephen is regularly talking about Jesus. And Jesus had said, hey, there's going to be not one stone left on top of another in this place. This is going to all pass away, but my word will last forever. I will be forever. He's looking around. He's saying, Jesus is the better temple. No longer does the Spirit of God dwell here. Instead, the Spirit of God dwells in Jesus. Jesus came, and now he has sent his Holy Spirit to us. These are the kinds of things that, Peter, that Stephen is saying to these people. Stephen is saying, hey, y'all are the ones that killed Jesus, but here's great news. Even though you killed him, he offers to you eternal life. These are the kinds of things that he's saying, but what's happening? It's amazing that as Stephen is speaking, filled with grace and doing wonders among the people, the people are made uncomfortable. Some of the people are even angered. He was telling the truth about the temple. He was preaching the gospel, but it was offensive. Now, I think that Stephen was speaking these words with compassion. Why do I think that? Look at verse 15. What does it say about him? It says, when they gazed at him, they gazed and his face was like the face of an angel. Well, do so you know that Stephen, it would appear, was not being a jerk to the whole wide world. He was simply preaching the truth. But as he spoke the truth, it brought about a degree of conviction. How do we generally respond to conviction? You know, we respond in one of two ways, usually. Either we respond to that conviction by confessing our sins and giving glory to Christ. Or we respond by becoming angry. How do you like it when somebody tells you that you're wrong? I mean, I usually take it very well, but some of y'all get really offended by that. 
mean, how, how, how much do you like it? Somebody picks up the phone and says, Hey, Craig, I was listening to your sermon last week, and I'd like to speak to you about the things that you said. Generally, in that moment, I don't immediately go, Oh, sweet, I can't wait to hear everything you have to say. Thank you so much for the call. Right? Every muscle in my body tenses up, and I'm ready to go. What do you want to say to me now? I'm not telling you that's right. I'm telling you that's where our flesh runs, isn't it? Side note, if you ever want to critique my sermon, the best way to do it is like Wednesday or Thursday with a phone call or a written letter or a visit with coffee and donuts. The worst time to do it is right after I finish preaching. For goodness sakes, please never do that to me. Please. I've had that happen. I've been confronted, like literally as I'm walking out of the door, I've shaken two hands and somebody comes and goes, I'd like to speak to you about what you said this morning. I'm like, I bet you would. What do you want to talk about? Then we have to take a deep breath. All right, let's, let's, let's back up. Because we don't really like to be told that we're wrong, even when we're wrong. That's where the power of the Holy Spirit is so incredible. That he can break our hearts in such a way that we hear you are dead in your sins and trespasses. And instead of going, who do you think you are? We respond with, thank you God for showing me that truth and for saving me. The Bible says that he is filled with spirit. He's filled with grace and wonder. He's, He's a man of good repute. He's speaking the truth. But the truth that he's speaking is a hard truth. And hard truths are hard to hear. And as a result of the hard truths that he was speaking, Stephen found himself on trial for his life. Listen to me. As followers of Jesus, we have to speak the truth always. Even when it is inconvenient. Even when it might make us look bad. Even when it's hard, we have to be people of the truth all the time. We've got to be people that are transparent about the truth all the time. It has to characterize and define who and how we are. But listen, the first truths that we need to speak are truths about God's Word and truths about our lives. Long before we're ready to speak truths to others about the truths that they need to hear in their own life. You understand? Do you know how easy it is for me to talk truth about you? Let me explain what's wrong with you. Well, that's a lot more fun than, hey, let me tell you what's wrong with me. Let me be honest about where it is that the truth is washing over me. How hard it is for me to hear the truth from somebody else's mouth and to actually look at them and say, you know what, you're right. I was wrong. I messed up. I had one this week. It was embarrassing. I'm not going to lie. I, I post to my blog regularly. do that all the time. I wrote one this week. Didn't think that much about it. Did it. I get a call from somebody who shall remain nameless and said, did you watch that video that you linked to in your blog? I said, no. Do you think you should have? I said, I don't think that much about it. Is it a problem? Where are you? I'm driving down the road. You need to pull over and you need to unlink it right now. Like, it can't be that bad. Did you watch it? No. Should I have? Yes, it's a problem. You need to fix it now. For a minute, I was like, who do you think you are? And then I was like, you know what? This is somebody who called me. I was like, hey, you messed up. 
You weren't, you, you weren't smart enough to do what you sh- know you should have done. It was a mistake. It was a little truth I needed to hear. I needed to fix it and make it right. But usually the truths that we hear, let me back up, usually the truths we don't want to hear are, are harder and more personal than that, aren't they? They're challenging. They cut deep. Stephen found himself on the wrong end of truth speaking. As he spoke the truth, he encountered people who didn't want to hear it. Folks, we as followers of Jesus have got to lean into the Lord. We've got to speak the truth. And third this morning, we have to live with honor. Let me just give you a warning. In a minute, um, our, our children are going to begin toddling back in here. It's going to be a little bit mass chaos. We have the Lord's Supper that we'll be observing in just a few minutes. We think it's really important that our children are part of that. So parents, your children will be making their way around. It's going to be loud and all the other things. It's okay. We know that. Okay. If they come in and they can't find you, it's okay for you to wave at them and we will get them to where they need to be. Um, but third this morning, live with honor. Notice that Stephen's opponents had to make up lies about him. So it says in, in, uh, there, in, I, I keep wanting to say the bottom of chapter 6. Y'all, forgive me. It's because it's at the bottom of my page. And so if it's not at the bottom of your page, I'm sorry. Uh, but in, in verse 12, it says, The elders stirred up the people, and the elders, or they stirred up the people, and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him, and they brought him before the council, and they set up false witnesses. Why did they set up false witnesses? They set up false witnesses because they couldn't find any true witnesses that would speak against this man. You understand? They had to lie. How many of you have been in a situation where somebody had to lie about you to dig up dirt on you? Listen, Stephen lived in such a way that even those who didn't like him couldn't come up with good reasons to not like him. had somebody tell me not too long ago, hey, so-and-so said they don't like you. I was like, why? I don't know that person. I don't know. They just said they didn't like you. Like, I've never had a conversation with that person. I can't imagine how it is. I mean, I could imagine how somebody wouldn't like me if they know me. But if you don't know me, I can't figure that out. It doesn't make sense. Stephen was in a situation where these people had heard what he had to say. They didn't like him. But the problem was they couldn't come up with a good excuse to make other people not like him. They had to start making up lies how do you live your life first peter 2 12 says keep your conduct among the gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers they may see your good deeds and glorify god on the day of visitation that's the reason i chose to use the wording that i did this morning for this last point live with honor that we are to live our lives honorably in such a way that people don't have anything to say against us that at some point they finally just throw their hands up and go you know what I just praise the Lord that this guy is the way he is because I got nothing else that I can say. Perhaps in exasperation, they just throw their hands up and Titus 2, 7 and 8 says, Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Living a life of honor filled with good works, integrity, and dignity, you ready for this? Is a sign of weakness. We've spent far too long as Christians trying to dress this up as something it is. Well, there is strength in our weakness. Let me tell you, this is weak, period. And yet Christ has called us to be weak vessels usable in his kingdom. How dare I say that it's weak? If you're nice and filled with good works, someone will take advantage of you. You're going to get hurt. 
You probably won't be brought before a tribunal and tried for your life as Stephen was, but you certainly run a risk. Folks, we need to acknowledge it. We need to be honest about the risk that we run when we live lives filled with honor and kindness and gentleness. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. I missed that one, didn't I? All of those things are wrapped up in there. How many of those look powerful to you? They're not. We should just be honest about it. Nobody ever got mugged in the middle of, a, of, a, of an alleyway and said, Oh, I'm here to be nice to you. You better back up. It doesn't work that way. It's weakness. And when we show that side of us, there's a strong possibility that somebody will take advantage of us. There's a strong possibility that we will get ran over. There's a strong possibility. There's, there's the greatest possibility that we will get hurt. When you choose to love somebody, you're going to get hurt. When you choose to love lots of people, you're going to get hurt. And yet this is how we've been called to live. This is how we've been called to live. With Christ Jesus as our model. You see, it's appropriate that we would observe the Lord's Supper on a Sunday when we are reminded that Christianity is not safe and that it is costly. It's appropriate because we worship a Lord who died and rose again. We worship a Lord who experienced death on a cruel Roman cross. And we walk in the historical line of Christians who for all of Christian history have experienced persecution. Do you understand that as Americans, especially those of us who live through the 20th century, and Americans even today in the 21st century, we are the historical outlier. Christians who aren't persecuted regularly for our faith. Christians who are allowed to speak into the community often with a degree of notoriety and even prestige. We're the outlier. See, for all of Christian history, Jesus' followers have, found, have faced persecution. Oftentimes they've known what it was to be ostracized, to be ignored, to be abused. We're called to live with honor even when it's costly, and we're called to do so because we reflect today on a Savior who bled and died for our sins. If they killed our Savior, why should we expect any more? Let's just be honest. This isn't the most uplifting and encouraging sermon of all time. Which is part of why it won't be the longest sermon of all time. But it's a true sermon. And it's one that we all need to hear. When we choose to live faithfully for Christ, we will, we will suffer. We will face opposition. Jesus said in this world there will be troubles. 
But he gave us this promise, but I have overcome this world. And he did so by giving his life on Calvary's cross. I think our kids are probably outside. As they come in this morning, we're going to go ahead and begin the process of transitioning towards the Lord's Supper. Again, we know it's kind of an awkward transition, but we do it because we think this is important. Um, let me give you a couple of instructions. So, um, for some of you, this is the first time you will have observed the Lord's Supper in our church in the way that we're going to do it this morning. Uh, for the last two, two plus years, we've observed the Lord's Supper in different ways. This morning, um, in just a moment, I'll call a group of our deacons forward and they're going to actually distribute the Lord's Supper. Uh, as, uh, as, uh, as Baptists, we believe that the Lord's Supper is reserved for those who have made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, then we invite you, when the cup is passed and the, and the, the bread is passed, to take and to partake. This morning what will happen is um, I will read some scripture. Our deacons will distribute the elements to you one at a time, so you'll get... Um, you'll get one and then the other. You'll get the bread first and the cup. Once you get it, if you'll hold it, we will all do it together. All right? So, so we take away that awkwardness. When you get it, just hold on to it. And um, we will all take it together this morning. But I believe we have a group of our deacons who are going to serve us. If they could come forward at this time. And kids, let me remind you, we're thankful that you're in here. For those of you that have made a profession of faith in Jesus... We want you to take the Lord's Supper with us. If you have not, listen, we look forward to the day when you give your life to Christ. And those are things that we pray for regularly. But the Lord's Supper is reserved for those who have given their life to Jesus. When we observe the Lord's Supper, we do so reading from a passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 because we believe that this is the earliest um, written recording of Jesus' words on the night that he gathered with his disciples for the Last Supper, and he instituted the Lord's Supper. So this morning I'm going to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. So this morning I'm going to pray over this bread. These men will distribute it to you, and then once we've all Finish with the distribution, we will take it together. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ who gave his life for us, allowed his body to be broken so that we might live. Father, may we reflect upon the Jesus who died for us. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> 